Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over 200 different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. Today is a fun episode to listen to on a walk while you're cooking a meal, maybe while you're just relaxing and unwinding in your home. I am welcoming my good friend Karina Martinez-Carter on the podcast where we share with all of you listeners our heart hang. And what I mean by that is a sneak peek into having some heart-based, meaningful conversation with a friend. Sometimes I recognize that conversations with friends, with family members can feel so superficial. And when I say superficial, I'm referring to surface level, where we're talking about just the stuff that goes on in the outside of our daily lives. Whereas having these heart hang conversations is really this opportunity to go deeper with friendships and family members, to talk about these inner ponderings, these inner insights that we either might not normally pay attention to or we keep them to ourselves. A little bit about Karina is she is a Vedic meditator, a formal travel journalist, and she is currently a program manager at Google. You can learn more about Karina in her bio in the show notes, as well as have a link to her website where she shares some of her writings and mindfulness insights with us. Enjoy listening to this conversation, and at the end of this discussion, I'll offer some reflection prompts for all of you so that you can take any insights you gain from today and integrate them into your life. So let's settle in and let's get centered. Karina, welcome to the Center in the City podcast. Hi, Wade. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. We connect in so many ways and it's so nice that we're doing it this way for the first time. Yeah. And like, I just taking a step back, like right as I hit record, I felt like my heart just explode because it's been, so I've known you for 10 years, over 10 years and how our worlds collided at first in Buenos Aires, Argentina, thanks to Katie Joe. Katie Joe's my connector for a lot of Buenos Aires. So shout out Katie Joe if you're listening. Our connection in Buenos Aires of getting to teach you Pilates and meditation in Buenos Aires and then getting to, of course, just deepen our friendship and then stay connected professionally in the world. And so and Anna's friends in the world. So anyway, so fun to have have this conversation. And I want to kick us off by having you share with us one of your favorite 
or go-tos currently of like how you practice staying centered, whatever that means to you. That's wonderful. I think creating really intentional transition time and buffer spaces, like realizing that that time is something that I need, uh, especially often seeing how other people operate. It's like jump up, hop into work or a workout or stack meetings and go between them. And I think for a while I was always like, okay, let me try it this way. And it didn't feel good. And now the first thing I do when I wake up is meditate, for example. So that's like the first buffer, really caring for that transition time and creating just quiet, really like intentionally centers me. And I've come to really love that time. They're like bookends and and it allows me to appreciate where I was, where I am, what's coming next. So that's just something I'm I'm more aware of, especially currently being in a moment of transition where I'm moving and leaving an apartment and things can get a little harried and hurried in, in those times of more intense transition. So just really being intentional about creating that time so I can actually feel centered in where I am and what I'm doing. Yeah. That sense of hurriness that you're talking about that I think is so prevalent in a lot of us, I would say the majority of us. And I don't know if it's just our generation or, you know, if it's a cultural thing, it's just a modern day thing, but that sense of hurry, like, okay, I'm finishing this thing. I need to jump right to the next thing. Like that sense of kind of crossing shit off of our list, but that we have to kind of do it, do it fast. And, and so I love what you're sharing of like taking those, those transition moments to slow down and feel yourself right here, right now. So you can kind of carry that sense of presence into wherever you're going next. Yeah. Thank you for reflecting that back so beautifully. I think a lot of that is whether caused by technology or exacerbated by it. I think it's this always optimizing, um, making use of every moment. So big part of that is just deciding to like, okay, not, it's a moment of quiet and transition that can mean picking up my phone and responding to messages, but taking that pause to ensure that that's actually what I want to be doing and not just the habit or the conditioning of what my brain has become acclimated to or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's interesting. You say you feel like it's part of the conditioning from technology. I noticed I felt it growing up in cities, like that sense of pace, that sense of hurry, especially growing up in New York city. Yeah. It's just, it feels like it's embedded in my nervous system. Mm. And so taking those moments to slow down and kind of come back to my center, I need to do as well. Like just coming off of a silent retreat, I noticed my transitions from like sitting meditation to walking meditation. I'm so slow and I'm and I'm moving slow and I can feel the moment. And then coming home outside of retreat, how easy it is to just speed up as yeah. like a natural default. And it's like, oh, wow, why do we do that? You know? Yeah. And it's so there's so much beauty in the slowness. I think I saw David Lynch quote, the director recently said, everything gets more beautiful when you slow it down. 
And so also decoupling this idea of slowness being bad, yes. or not the ideal. I even often think about Pilates and the concept of like doing the movements slowly as well, and how that is actually what builds more strength and being really mindful mm -hmm. of like, it's the resistance in and the resistance out on a reformer. I've been doing more Pilates recently and, and love that, love it. <laughs> so I, I often think of that and then go to the gym and see, you know, people pushing out reps really quickly. And I, I think it's about the balance of the two. Right. Because we need speed sometimes, right? We need to get shit done. We need to cross that finish line. Sometimes we need that final push that might take a little bit more effort or, or intensity, but it's like, what is our basic operating system? When we talk about speed, I noticed when I was going through coaching training and having some more skills and awareness to just pay attention, I realized, oh yeah, like coming home from work in the days when people were commuting, <laughs> I mean, it's right. like over, over 10 years ago now, but coming home from work and to feel that transition moment literally from the threshold coming from the train into the home and taking that moment to transition and like feel it was really important to me because i would come home like a fucking like arrow like super super rushed super hard super fast and take that energy into the house which didn't feel good or it would make cooking dinner unpleasant so just like all of these little transition moments that we can pay attention to you and i were having a heart hang which <laughs> i don't know how that term came about but we both like we're like i love that right isn't that what we called it it was so great yeah i thought that was a, a was weight term no it just naturally like came out when we were when we were hanging out and we had a heart hang in LA a few months ago and we started just like you know those heart hangs that when you're catching up with a friend you haven't seen in a long time and it's not about superficial shit it's about the heart-centered stuff it's about the stuff that really matters in life the meaningful conversation the deep rich gooey gooeyness where we get to witness each other's souls and and hearts and and so we were having this heart hang and we were talking about um one of my power intentions for the year and for those who are listening don't know what i mean by that power intention is what i call like my big theme for the year my my focus that i bring this intention into everything that i'm learning that i'm doing that i'm taking action in to really think about how can I embody these qualities and um, and how can they support me living a more aligned, connected life? And so my power intentions this year are patience and deep listening. And so this opened up this really sweet conversation with Karina and I that I was like, oh, let's take this on the podcast because I think this would be really fun to talk about and hopefully offer some insights or Based for your own personal reflection as you listen. So the practice of deep listening, what comes up for you, Karina? And then I'm happy to jump in. But when I shared that, like what for you in that moment was like, oh, what is that? Or what does that mean? Yeah. I what's a little what's a little funny about that as well is um I remember when you shared it and I was like, amazing, yes. I love that. And I didn't really ask 
any follow-up questions in that moment. And then I was home later and it may have been later that day or another day or two. And I was just like, I wonder what deep listening means to Wade. And it was this funny moment of laughing at myself a little bit in a loving way in the situation uh, and realizing that like that in and of itself is deep listening or in the moment was maybe not deep listening. So it's just, I love how when I started to think about it more, I saw and felt broad applications in my own life. One of them being listening deeply to another person. And so I, I, I don't actually remember what my interpretation was when I first heard it, but it was this moment of being like, oh, here's an invitation to listen more deeply to another friend. And in that, I think the processing of it was also an act of deep listening of like letting that soak into the layers of myself and my awareness a bit more and then come back and say like, oh, I'd love to hear more because in understanding it from your context and your perspective and your decision to center yourself in that as a power intention, I was curious, like what more may be unlocked? I think how I've come to know it myself most richly and recently, and that really is tied to developing a meditation practice that feels like it fits and gives a lot to myself and soul and life is is actually creating a relationship and an understanding with that deeper inner voice uh, rather than the kind of um, buzzy, fast-moving voice that's like, do this, do that. You should feel this certain way and should do that. And then the more quiet I've developed and even in those intentional spaces of transition, I think a lot of that is just connecting with that quieter voice and that I think uh, when people say, you know, the soul speaks in whispers, it's, it's often the, the truest voice in us, I think is, does require some deeper listening to really hear and pay attention to um, and have a relationship with and converse with. So I think that is the most powerful for me understanding of it, especially because it's not an awareness, a muscle or a relationship that I'd had for a lot of my life until coming to understand a lot more about mindfulness as a concept, which you really introduced me to all those days back in Buenos Aires. Um, so that that's probably what it is. And in that too, just being like, I think deep listening can be applied in so many ways again, which is why I, I love it. And I, I can't wait to hear more about uh, your perspective. Um, even when you first suggested talking about this on the podcast, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm up for a podcast, whatever it is. And I remember a couple of days later, I picked up a book on my desk, uh, How to Do Nothing, Resisting the attention economy by Jenny O'Dell. And I had a page earmarked and I was like, how interesting. And I opened that page and it was a whole page on deep listening. And I was just like, okay, that was a moment of deeper listening to 
what was around me, what was being shared with me, guiding me, uh, whether we want to say, you know, there was a little moment of some divine nudging or intervention, which may be not that extreme, but again, listening to that was a moment of like, okay, let's do this. How special that this reminder and information came up now. And so that was a moment of listening more deeply to like the world around me, which I think, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point, and we have before, but it is a reflection of our own self and consciousness and understanding and all of that. And so that was also a moment of like, that was a very cute, like gave me a little giggle and I sent you the photo. I was like, okay, let's do this. So that, that too, for example, deep listening. And then of course, just coming back to our conversation. And I think the most basic way to practice it that I remind myself and is, is an anchoring way to come back to it uh, is in relation to others as well. So um, a lot of people may not see this video. I can tell and feel that you're deeply listening to me in this moment. And that's not by anything that's being said. It's feeling that presence. And if we do body cues as well, you're nodding and smiling and leaning close to the camera. And I think giving that to other people, being able to is, is such a gift. When I feel that, it feels so incredible. Like my heart feels warm right now. Just, you know, having this, this space to share an invitation and feeling that you're deeply listening. So that even is a reminder to me to how special and available that is as something we can give to others as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. You just shared so many beautiful things. And I agree with so much of how you're identifying and exploring deep listening for you internally, externally, uh, relationally. And for me, yeah, like the desire for deep listening as a power intention came, you know, I, I do this process for myself at the end of the year, beginning of the year. And I host a workshop called the intention setting party where where I walk people through it. But when I do it for myself first, I notice like I, the doing that I'm so conditioned with that I think all of us are in our modern day world. It's like, it's so strong. It feels this like, like a big muscle in my body. Mm. And for me, I notice like where my growth edge is, is to continually practice letting the the being leading letting myself rest back into just the enoughness in this moment enoughness within myself the enoughness with around me you know the striving can just be such an easy default to be on and again this circles back to like growing up new york city ambitious driven women in my life and and so for me, this practice of deep listening came as like, I actually not only want to practice a deep listening within myself because that muscle, that mindfulness muscle of awareness of internally, you know, feels, feels like it's been flexed, right? I've been in this practice for over a decade, well over a decade. And 
not to say it's fully developed because I don't think you're ever fully developed with your mindfulness muscles. There's always more to That's grow the them. Fun of it, right? It yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but was recognizing like, okay, like I, I'm, I feel like I can hear my body and know my body really well. And that's a skill that I've been able to develop over a long time and something I'm super passionate about. But noticing I have my, one of my other growth areas has been the sense of trust and not just trust within myself, but trust within the universe. In years past, trust, um, trust was my power intention in 20, 21 or 2022. I can't even remember. Um, and, and it was really powerful, the ways that I got to grow with trust. And so deep listening was like this turning up of, of listening to the universe, mm -hmm. allowing myself to deeply listen to the signs and signals of the, of the universe. And can I let myself slow down enough? So we're talking again about the slowing down to hear and to feel into versus the automatic analyze the situation and do that feels again like the condition default and so can i feel into and hear and let that lead me in my choices in life that is my main practice with deep listening um, and of course that translates to how I hold space and bring that relationally into others, continuing to practice deep listening within myself, my intuition, but tuning into that place of feeling and hearing from that, from the more spiritual realm is where I feel like I wanted to be held this year. It was interesting on the silent meditation retreat that and just getting off of it was seven days. And one of my teachers, Twery Sala, talked about, she gave these directions that, you know, when the bell rings after a meditation sit, can you stay a little longer and not get up with the kerfuffle? Like not get up with the sense of, okay, it's transition time, but can you stay and sit a little longer and move from the place of calm. Can you find that inner calm and move from there? That's a concept that I've practiced a lot. It's a concept I've taught a lot, you know, taking those moments to pause before acting, before um, responding, but it hit differently. It felt so embodied. Like, can I find a place of inner calm and then move from that place? And so for me, like deep listening, took this form of like deeply listening to my body to find that place of calm and let that lead. And it was powerful to play with that for a few days in silence. And I think when we practice deep listening, even in silence, right? There doesn't need to be noise or words to be shared but when we practice deeply listening, there's like so much wisdom below the surface, you know, and how conditioned we are to just hear the things that are on the surface, the loud things, especially because of this loud world we live in. I love what you shared too, how deep listening isn't just with that one sense. I do genuinely feel it's can be full sensory. It's 
it probably could be called like deep feeling and deep sight, whatever it is as well. I think we have more of a human understanding of listening. It's um, when you are trusting and opening to trusting and, and experiencing everything around you more. I found the more we notice those synchronicities, the more that pop up, like my opening that book, even for example, and that's really it's so fun I think I love playing with that concept and just like let's see I even you know biking to work there are two routes I can take and I always say like if the light's green I go straight and I'll take that route and if it's not I'll go to the right and it's just like even playing with like okay where am I being like nudged to go and that sort of practice of like picking up guideposts or context clues around us and and also knowing like it'd be okay either way right um but it's it's fun there's there's something so freeing I think about opening to what's around me I think especially as you say the doing and the like that young energy and the driving to achieve for so long it was like okay for something to happen I have to action it I have to do something and the more I step back as you shared as well. And are and the more I am more deeply listening, the more I see there's so much that's like already solved or decisions I don't have to make. And I think we only have so much decision making, actioning, uh, energy reserve per day or until we can like meditate, sleep, recharge, whatever it is. And and by lifting that, uh burden as it feels that sometimes to always have to be deciding and doing and instead just be flowing with things a bit more it makes it so that when there are things you know I I feel I need to action and want to take action on or decide I have clearer presence more energy clearer mind to to do something I have a question around what you just shared. What do you feel like, because I think we're conditioned to, let's say, use this example of a biking to work, like Google, which way is faster? Mm-hmm. This is ironic because you work at Google. But <laughs> okay, Google, which way is faster, right? And then we want to go the fastest, most efficient route, typically. I don't know many people who are choosing the, the opposite. Uh, so what allows you to like let go of the control of needing to know your route before you get on your bike and allows you to play with that sense of deep listening and synchronicity? I think a lot of it came from a place of necessity. I also lived in New York for a while and especially being there through the pandemic and just realizing all of a sudden being thrust into this quiet force, kind of quiet and stillness and with so much happening as well. I just realized how exhausted I was from constantly optimizing, taking the fastest route, owning and doing everything possible, because that seemed to be how to not just survive, thrive, achieve, whatever it is, and that really being a condition of of our society. And I think it came from a place, yeah, of just saying like, not only do I, I think that I can't do this anymore came before the, I don't want to do this anymore. And a lot of that being not having as much of a relationship or awareness with 
my own body self and her voice. I do think that started a little earlier and brought me to learning uh, Vedic meditation, which is my specific practice. Uh, so it's something to a lot of people who I'm close with my life and have these sort of heart hangs and conversations, which I'm blessed to have a lot of friends and relationships where it often we go deep and <laughs> deep listening. Uh, I think something that's a sticking point is realizing how much is framed as work. Like I'm doing the work, I'm working on myself, all of these concepts. And I was just like, I'm sick of working. Like, I think we all are, we're, we're tired and just, I think it, another one of my soapbox speeches, I think a lot of this even goes all the way back to like the founding of our country and being founded on these principles of what the Puritan religion was and hard work and that being the way. And there's something very purposeful and important in work. I don't think we're meant to work all of the time. I don't think we can. I don't think we should. Uh, and just realizing like there must be another way. And I think too, in the pandemic, just having to entertain myself and find moments of joy and saying like, let me just, let's try playing instead, putting on music, dancing around a lot of it coming from like needing to, uh, and realizing that was like missing in my life. I think, you know, as kids were oriented toward play, all the ways we learn and discover our play. And I, I think it's there we're meant to continue that and it's so much more enjoyable and less taxing and laborious to just for me I found say oh I'm gonna like play with this concept in this day or in this space rather than saying I'm working on this it's just let's let's see how this fits let's see what comes up and so that, that sort of paradigm or shift or reframing, um, I think makes it less of, uh, less of another task. So there's a lightness you provide and a sense of letting go of the task orientedness and just kind of tap into that. Like, okay, like I'm going to just play here. I'm going to let go. It sounds right. like. Totally. And there's no, there's no failure in play, right? Like we can't, there's no, like I didn't or didn't achieve this. And I think a lot of times when we're growing and looking to self-develop, it's, we have a concept of what we're attempting to reach that may not actually be what we need or want or how things evolve. And in opening it toward a more non-linear growth place of just play and exploration and lead us towards something that's perhaps more fitting and, and richer. Um, goals are, are important and really valuable. I think oftentimes where there's so much like conflicting advice, if we see, if we really like look at oft quoted things and some people are in certain moments, we need to hear one side of that coin of advice around like set structured goals, make them achievable. That's incredibly valuable for having operated that way for so much of my life. And I, I think and know that you feel similarly, it's so important to take that other side of the coin advice and say like, actually step back, remove that 
goal or that that destination and the hyper focus on it and instead like you said listen deeply to what's around you be open to taking other routes see how you're already held how something's already solved I found that often as well I'm like this is a problem you know it needs to be fixed and then I give it space I'm like oh actually that's I realize it's either not an issue or it's already been solved in a way that is actually better than what my stress response, stress response, um, action toward it probably would have been. Totally. I, I hear you with that. And for me, I've been playing with this. It's not about just the action, you know, because as a coach, definitely in this place of like, we need to take action because action helps us move forward. However, it's really like, how are we taking action? Like, who are we being as we take the action? Because that energy that we bring into the action, and this is where for me, my power intention comes through is like, that is what holds, I think the juice and the power because if I'm taking the action from a place of reactivity or fear, I'm probably going to get a different result than if I was taking the action from a place of, of deep want or deep alignment to, you know, what I'm really practicing. Or And so for me, it's it's like that's where we get to bridge the inner and the outer work and find that sense of alignment to help us kind of take down that striving that is so conditioned in most of us. Karina, I'm curious if you can talk to us a little bit about what Vedic meditation is for those that are not familiar. Yeah. And I I have to reflect on what you just shared. It's so beautiful. And I, I think that's what's so powerful about your coaching too, is that that bridge between the inner and the outer. And that's something I've come to realize what you shared about, like, how are we taking that action from what space is that? And I've come to realize that as well. It's when I feel even, you know, with work and going into a meeting and it's like being so prepared, going over everything, that concept uh, that Adrian Marie Brown talks about in, in her books as well. She's wonderful is that you know, this presence over preparation. And I think a lot of that speaks to how are we showing up in the moment and how are people feeling? And I've come to this idea when I start to find myself be hyper-focused on the, what the action is and how to take it and the details of just like, it's more about how I take the action than what the action is. And that removes a lot of the pressure often from it. As many people in my life know, and you probably do and feel as well as I, meditation is one of my favorite things to talk about. I think because it's been such a gift. Uh, And if every time I sit to meditate, it feels like giving myself a gift. And that's such a great feeling (laughs) every day, Uh, twice a day, actually. So Vedic meditation is a long-standing practice with roots in India, very traditional um, in that regard. It was created as this like, you know, to meditate, it's not that you need to be alone uh, in a cave living as a monk. It's a practice that was developed for, as they say, um, 
householders and everyday people. And it is a twice daily practice for 20 minutes per session. I've done an advanced technique training that you can meditate for up to 30 minutes. And the big difference between mindfulness practices uh, is that it's mantra based. So there is a sound in Sanskrit that um, all meditators and going through the training, there is a a four-day training that's really for an like a container support acclimating period. Um, my training with the spring meditation, which is based in New York and New Jersey, um, they do trainings in person there, is uh, it was about, I believe if I recall, um, this was October 2019, uh, two hours about per day. And then coming back after doing some meditating on your own uh, to share reflections, be supported by a teacher and, and, and learn along the way. Uh, so that mantra based is, it's also a lot of people know transcendental meditation. I quoted David Lynch earlier. He's a famous practicer of transcend of TM. That's often referred to. And that is essentially the same practice um, mantra based. It's just TM is the is the, the corporate entity of that and such. So that is essentially what it is. Um, it's, I felt called to it in a moment of, of really wanting to deepen my meditation practice and feeling like there was a little bit more. Uh, and I kept hearing about Vedic meditation. So I guess, you know, I didn't think or know much about deep listening in that moment, but it's it was happening already. So it's, it's been wonderful having the structure. And as I mentioned, it's one, one sit in the morning upon waking up, um, that makes me feel so much more present to my day aligned in myself, energized as well. It's very restful. And then once in the afternoon or evening before dinner, it's uh, done earlier than bedtime because it is energizing and um, oftentimes after a sit, you know, I'll, I'll hit the afternoon lag and I know it's time. My body's craving or soul, everything craving that sit. And then I like, ding, I'm up and ready to go and finish the work day and whatever it is. Mm. So for those that are listening, just to share in comparison, like mindfulness-based meditation here in the West is based off of insight meditation, which has its roots in Vipassana meditation, uh, also based in Asia, uh, founding roots in Asia, and usually consists of like anchoring into a place of concentration coming from your breath or coming from sounds or an anchor of resting into a place in your body. And that's what's called focused attention and then we also can play with and harness what's called open awareness attention when we kind of soften the grip of just focusing on that anchor and allowing that anchor to be a resting place, but then permission to kind of allow the mind to wander in a spaciousness and then coming back. So 
that's a very quick snapshot of the practice. Um, there's no attachment to how much time you need, or you can also play with some mantras as an anchor, but you're not given a specific mantra like you are in Vedic and TM. So just offering like uh, one of my teachers, Anna Winston talks about like with meditation, there's so many different types, right? Just like if you think of the whole realm of sports. And so it's really important to just like you try a bunch of different sports or physical activities to see what you like, to see what works in your body. I think having that sense of permission and play to yeah. circle back to, to find what works for you within meditation, because there are so many different types and lineages and teachers and philosophies. And you know, also there's a sense of like, take, take, take what serves you and also kind of leave, leave the rest, like permission to also kind of incorporate your own spiritual practices is something that I always like to offer as well. Um, Karina, thank you so much for being here and sharing this conversation and sharing your experiences and insights with us where can people you know learn more about you or stay connected thank you for having me this has been so wonderful and i have learned so much as well honored to be part of it i have a website kmartinezcarter.com and I have some information about myself, a contact form if anyone wanted to continue the conversation, especially I love talking about meditation. Wade and I can, <laughs> can talk more about that too. And um, obviously you have so much training and knowledge that I always love to hear when I learn more about um, meditation and mindfulness with you, Wade. I also on there have a blog where last year I started writing, um, returning to writing after being a journalist for a bit to, to share more and process and play with more uh, reflections on life and concepts that have served me or felt really fun at various points. So that's something that I've enjoyed doing. And yeah, my contact information is on my site. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Wade. And thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the Centered in the City podcast. I am so curious to hear what's coming alive for you after listening to this conversation. Feel free to join Karina and I on social media. You can find me on Instagram at OneWade. And if you are curious to practice deep listening yourself, I welcome you to slow down, which might feel uncomfortable as we explored today on the conversation, but I welcome you to find just one minute, even 30 seconds, where you can slow down today and just tune in and ask yourself, what am I noticing? What am I noticing? And when you practice that, you might notice at first, like, okay, I'm noticing uh, my head is buzzy. I'm noticing I can't feel my body. I'm noticing I'm hungry. I'm noticing I feel sleepy, right? Like it might be more superficial observations at first. But then as you keep practicing, you will go layers and layers deeper. So maybe starting to notice what emotions are present. Then maybe starting to notice how huh, the thoughts that are going through your mind. Then maybe starting to notice your intuition 
And as we practice noticing, the key here is to bring a lot of curiosity and kindness to the noticing. So we are practicing mindfulness. We don't want to judge our thoughts. We don't want to judge our experience. We don't want to judge our sensations. We just want to have awareness that this is happening in this moment. We don't need to create another story of I'm a good noticer or I'm a bad noticer. We just get to observe. And when we can practice that in these informal ways, as well as, of course, in our formal meditation practice, but when we can practice in our informal ways, we begin to take this aspect of deep listening to the next level. So the challenge and the invitation for you is to once a day, take one minute to just tune in and ask yourself, what am I noticing? It can be while you're on the subway. It can be while you're making dinner. It could be while you are taking a shower or typing an email. Tune in and ask yourself, what am I noticing? And let me know what comes up for you. Reach out. Thanks for being here. As always, feel free to share this episode with one of your friends that you'd like to have a meaningful heart hang with. And let's keep inspiring each other to practice coming back to our center. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay centered.